1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Nintendo SwitchCraft. Uh, this is going to be very different than a regular episode. First off, I'd like to apologize for uh, missing uh, episodes recently. I've, uh, For those of you that, that don't follow me on Twitter, uh, or for those of you that missed the post on Patreon, even though I am fully vaccinated, I did come down with COVID. It definitely was terrible um don't feel bad for me though because there's a lot of people out there that have it way worse than I do I'm getting better but speaking for any length of time is pretty rough and doing a solo podcast where you are the only one talking for like a half an hour is uh kind of impossible for me at this point so instead of putting out an episode this week about metroid dread which i did finish and i absolutely have many many thoughts on what i thought i would do is share with some of you an episode from season four of 143 pixels and if you don't know what that is it's another podcast that i do where each episode i have somebody come on as a guest and uh, myself and, and that person talk about one of their favorite games. And I had Andre Seegers uh, from Game Explain. Um, he came on and we talked about one of his favorite games of all time, Super Mario 64. And I figured this would be a good subject for this week because the Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis stuff just came out. Uh, through the Nintendo Switch online plan. Now, I didn't subscribe to that because I think it's too expensive. I will, of course, talk about that more in a future episode. But uh, thanks for understanding. And everybody who tweeted at me and sent me messages and stuff about uh, getting the get well messages, you guys are all awesome. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Like I said, I am getting better. uh, But it's going to take a little bit more time before I'm back at full strength. So without further ado, this is uh, from season four of 143 Pixels, Andre Seegers and I discussing one of his favorite games of all time, Super Mario 64. Welcome to 143 Pixels, I'm Bill, and we're here to talk about games we love. Each episode, I bring a friend, and they bring a game. This week, my friend is Andre Seegers, and the game that he brought is Super Mario 64. I don't actually know Andre up until today when I recorded with him. Uh, A while back, there was an article on Gizmodo that accused me of faking a call with Nintendo... Uh, on my nintendo podcast which is called nintendo switchcraft you can find it wherever podcasts are downloaded and because of this article a lot of people had kind of come out of the woodwork to yell at me for faking the call which i had not called basically they were upset because gizmodo had accused me of being a liar well, in the middle of all of this, Andre reached out and said that he was sorry that I had to go through that, which was super awesome of him, and we kind of talked a little bit back and forth since then, and I asked if he wanted to come on 143 Pixels, and he said, of course I do, and uh, that's basically how I met Andre. If you don't know who Andre is, he's the founder of GameExplain.com, also the YouTube channel Explain. He was a guide editor at GameSpot and IGN, and he also worked at Nintendo as a customer service rep back in the day. We talked about Mario 64 and a bunch of different things about the game, like why the wing cap is stuck in Mario 64 and flying as Mario has never been as fun as it was in Mario 64. We talked about the rumored remake of Mario 64 and what he might do if he were in charge of uh, changing that game up for a modern system. We talked about how different generations of people feel about the transition between two-dimensional video games and three-dimensional video games. And we talked about the fact that there's no, there are run buttons, in the later Mario games, but there's no run button in Mario 64, and how how absolutely weird is that? Uh, big thank you to uh, Andre for joining me on the show. He was awesome, as I'm sure that you'll you'll will agree after you hear it in a little bit. You can find him on Twitter at Andre Seegers. You can go to GameExplain.com. You can find him on YouTube at GameExplain. Anyway, now you know all about Andre, let's hear a commercial for Super Mario 64. Come on. on, Mario. Come on, Mario. Jump! I'll give up. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh. (laughs) wanna grow the calcium and milk helps bones grow while super mario 64 may not have been the original third person 3d action platformer it's the first one that got the controls right The game was published and developed by Nintendo. It was released on June twenty third, 1996 for the Nintendo 64. It has also been re-released on the Nintendo DS, as well as the Wii and the Wii U. The game director was, of course, Shigeru Miyamoto, and his assistant directors on Super Mario 64 would be Yoshiaki Koizumi and Takashi Tezuka. The sound composer of the game is Koji Kondo and... It is one of the greatest games ever made. The idea behind the game is that Mario is invited to Peach's castle, but when he arrives, Peach is nowhere to be seen. He soon learns from Toad that Bowser has once again kidnapped her, and the Koopa King has put a spell on her castle, imprisoning her subjects, Uh, so it is up to Mario to break the spell and rescue Peach. Basically, Mario has to go into the paintings on the walls and each painting leads you to a new level. It is an amazing game and one of my all-time favorites. On the back of the box, it says that Mario is super in a whole new way, combined with the finest 3D graphics ever developed for a video game and an explosive soundtrack super mario 64 becomes a new standard for video games it's packed with bruising battles daunting obstacle courses and underwater adventures retrieve the power stars from their hidden locations and confront your arch nemesis bowser king of the koopas The features that the game calls out is that you can run freely in a grassy meadow, tiptoe through a gloomy dungeon, and climb to the top of a mountain or take a swim in a moat. Leap headfirst into watery painting, and soon you'll be searching for the surface in an underwater realm. On-the-fly, 3D rendered gameplay delivers the action of ruthless enemy attacks from every angle. Find the caps that give Mario superpowers. Ponder the mysteries of the pyramid. You can even race Koopas for fabulous prizes. With the Nintendo 64 controller and its analog control stick, Mario can crawl, kick down obstacles, swim, do reverse flips, and even stick the landing on a backwards somersault. The game had wonderful receptions. Mario 64 earned a 94 on Metacritic. Computer and Video Games Magazine said that the graphics are so finely detailed that you'll soon forget that you're playing a game. It's more like taking part in the best cartoon you've ever seen. Electronic Gaming Monthly said there'll never be another Mario game that will make the same impact as Super Mario 64. This was in January of 2004 on page 189. IGN said complete in every way, and the challenging experience of working towards each new level is far greater than the game's minimal flaws. Nintendo's craftsmanship and zeal for creating fantastically enjoyable games has never shown through more than Super Mario 64. Super Mario 64 started out as an idea that Shigeru Miyamoto had when working on Star Fox. He considered making a 3D Mario game called Super Mario FX after the Super FX chip. Eventually, he decided to wait until the Nintendo 64 came out. Now, I assumed that the reason that he wanted to wait until the N64 came out was because he needed more power in order to realize his vision for the game. The real reason, I'm sure that the power helped, but the real reason was because he didn't feel the Super Nintendo's controller could adequately give you the, the control that Mario would need in a 3D environment. So he waited for the controller that came with the, the Nintendo 64. When we all first saw the N64's controller, many of us were flabbergasted at to what is this ridiculous contraption that Nintendo has come up with. But when you paired it with the games in Andre and I talk about this a little bit in the interview, but when you pair it with the games, it became very apparent why Nintendo designed the controller to be like this. In order to help players understand the 3D environment, they had to add objects, uh, they had to add fake shadows to objects, uh, basically regardless of the lighting conditions of the level, in order to give players a better depth perception so that they could tell where they were going to land when they were in the middle of a jump. Assistant Director Yoshiaki Koizumi described the feature as an ironclad necessity, which kind of took away from the realism, but made it much easier to play a 3D game. And I have to say, I agree, the Shadows... The fake shadows helped you figure out where you needed to land. Super Mario 64, again, one of my all-time favorite games. For a lot of people, it is one of their favorite games of all time, and that is for a really good reason. So now that you've heard more about Super Mario 64, let's uh, hear the intro for the game, and uh, afterwards, you're going to hear my interview with Andre. See you on the other side. It's me, Mario! Hello!
0: Small, you know, every small addition does go a long ways in adding to the game. And uh, apparently, some people started seeing red today. I wasn't, I wasn't one of them. So I'm hoping I'll see him tomorrow. I'm looking forward to checking out his, uh, his ship and buying, you know, inspecting art for hopefully are will be some authentic pieces and getting them to my museum. So I'm pretty jazzed. I'm pretty excited for all of this because I think a lot of people now, if you've been playing the game since it came out, we were at the point where we we're pretty much exhausting most of the big additions to the game like most of the main content uh i think just yesterday was when people started getting the new shop upgrades or the you know the new nook nook's cranny i just got mine today and right on the heels of it we have this new stuff here so it's kind of perfect really good timing in that uh we're not out of content there's more coming i mean even more beyond this update i'm sure so so yeah it's been good so far and then of course we had the mario maker stuff too which god it has been dropping bombs or mini bombs and right so
1: As much as I'd love to talk about the Mario stuff, since you bring him up, uh, the game that you picked to talk about is Mario 64. That's Uh, right. So, you know, I mean, I can't believe that we're on season four of this show and you are the first person to bring up Mario 64 as a game that they absolutely have to talk about. That kind of blows my mind. But of all of the games that you could have chosen, you you chose Mario 64. Why did you pick that one?
0: Oh man, I don't know if there's any single reason why I picked that one. Um, I mean, it, it you know made a huge impact on me as a kid. I was maybe 10 or 11, I think 11 when it came out, Um, which I think may have been like a pretty much perfect age to experience that game, but I think it would have been fun, or I think it might have been a mind-blowing experience at any age, because that's why I'm bringing this game today, is because this game was a mind-blowing experience when it came out, it showed how to make 3D. It, it didn't just show how to make how to make Mar- it didn't just show or demonstrate how to make Mario work in a 3D world. It showed how to make games work in a 3D space. Period. There had been 3D games before, then of course, um including ones I quite enjoy, like Jumping Flash. It's probably one of the earlier examples of a uh, a game that attempted platforming in a 3D space, let alone from a first person perspective. But Mario 64 is the game that really brought it all together and it showed what you could do with this entirely new dimension. And there's a reason why people still say, like, you know, is this going to be a Mario 64 moment? And that's mostly now in regards to VR. Like, what is VR's Mario 64 uh, game? What is that going to be? And a lot of people are pointing to maybe Half-Life Alex as possibly being uh, what that game will be, you know, what uh, being VR's Mario 64 moment, you know, a game that really shows we can do with the medium. And I probably, you know, I wouldn't fight that uh, argument, but what I might push against, though, is I don't know if we can truly have another Super Mario 64 moment. This game was such a monumental, uh, like, achievement for games, in my opinion, at least, um, and you know, not just as a fan, but just like for what it did to the medium and showing what you can do again with you know, by taking what was a 2D place place and making it 3D and making it work as well as it did to the point that it still holds up today. I mean, so many of those, like, games from that era, like early PlayStation, early Nintendo 64, early Saturn games, <laughs> they're a bit rough to go back to, but Mario 64, that game still holds up. I mean, it's not the prettiest game these days, obviously, but I still think there's a charm to the visuals, but when it comes to the gameplay, it's still just as fun. I would say still just as fun as it was back then. Um, obviously, not as mind-blowing these days. Uh, But, yeah, the things it achieved are things that still inspire, I think, games to this day, including Mario himself, where it was only recently with Mario Odyssey that they went back to the template that Mario 64 kind of set out. Right. Because since then, they've been on this more linear path, uh, making experiences um, progressively more, like, kind of closer to the 2D games, to the point that 3D World and 3D Land are effectively like the 2D games in a 3D space. Like, they're the most, they're the truest games to the 2D games that you can get. And I don't know that's necessarily a good thing, but I do see why people like them. I enjoy them too. Uh, but it kind of went against what Mario in 3D was to me for a while. And I'm glad that Nintendo started going back in that direction with Odyssey. So, yeah, that's a really, <laughs> really long way of kind of like, for me, briefly summarizing why I think Mario 64 is such a, it's such a, the game i wanted to talk about because it's definitely the game i have some of the fondest memories of because i still remember booting that game up for the first time and it just blowing my mind like being able to run around the castle completely free of you know any like seemingly like any shackles you know in mario you know in two dimensions you can go left to right primarily in this game you can go you can go any direction you can go up you can go down you can blast off from a cannon you can try and get on top of the castle it was just Such a it's such an experience that really kind of showed me the potentials of the medium, but also just gave us like this really fun play space. Like in a lot of ways, I think it's almost like one of the first sandbox experiences in 3D space. I know, you know, people would uh, like nowadays people apply that to like an open world game, but Mario 64 kind of felt like that just on a much smaller scale, but it didn't feel small back then. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I I completely agree. Like as you were talking, I just had typed out sandboxy because I wanted to come back to that. Um, it, it absolutely felt like a sandbox where you could either try and accomplish a goal or if you wanted to, you could just run around and play as Mario, maybe climb up a tree and see if there were coins at the top and do a backflip off of the tree, which you know, all of the new control mechanisms with they, which they added in to Mario sixty four was pretty mind blowing because they could have just said, "All right, he's in a three D world; he can run and he can jump, mm-hmm. and we can be done with that." And that would still have been a pretty amazing game. But for them to have like the triple jump, uh, the the squat down and do a backflip jump, the climbing up the tree and doing a you know doing a handstand on the top of the tree and then flipping off of there. They they went above and beyond to make this a, an incredibly unique experience, and I think that you absolutely nailed it when you said sandbox because that's what it felt like. You could do whatever you wanted to. Right.
0: Yeah, that's exactly. It. There was a level of freedom associated with the game that went beyond like its contemporaries. You know, they could have gone the uh, more conventional route, and I say conventional uh, not in a despairingly way, because really back then anything that was three D was you know, testing the waters, like seeing what would work and what doesn't. But it could have gone um, what would be closer to 3D Land or 3D World or a better example might be, you know, the Crash Bandicoot route Mm -hmm. where Crash Bandicoot is basically a 2D game just turned on the side where the camera is now behind Crash. There were some light, you know, 3D, you know, some light elements uh, that were, aided by the move to 3d but for the most part that's basically a 2d game it's just that the camera's now behind crash because there wasn't a whole lot in the way of left to right movement except in the explicitly 2d segments but you know you're either running forward or back for the most you know for most of it um and that was you know a neat way of doing things and that game you know had its own like strong style and uh a lot of people clearly uh, resonated with it but it wasn't mario 64 and it does get back i think to to you know the sandbox as you were saying where they just gave you so many options, um, it really felt like you know it. It's not it's not how I would have viewed it view at the time, but like looking back, you know, Mario kind of felt like shackled in the second t- or in the two uh, in the two D uh, realm, where there's only so many options you have available, including his repertoire, as you kind of touched on. It's like run and jump. That's basically it. They added a few more moves in the later Mario's, but the fundamentals are you run and you jump, and that's it. Mario sixty four gave you such a ridiculous amount of moves to the point where I think there were some secret moves that I can't remember if they were in the instruction booklet or not, but they weren't ever touched on in the game itself. You kind of just had to stumble upon them. the most, Or a few of them didn't even serve any real explicit purpose, but they're there if you want to. You can do like a roundhouse kick while crouching. You can do like the sideways flip. We don't really need, but it's useful for more like advanced maneuvers. Um, there's stuff I'm already forgetting. There's tons of moves <laughs> in the game. I think far more than any, any other 3D Mario. And that combined with these Again, at the time, massive play spaces uh, really just made it seem like the world was your oyster. Um, you know, and and the, the, these worlds and the, these worlds were largely non-linear too, which again is something other three D Mario's didn't quite get. Uh, like Mario Sunshine, even start with Mario Sunshine, even though they kept the big world aspect you still had to go through the Shines in a linear, or, linear order from, you know, Shine 1 to Shine 2 to Shine 3, whereas in Mario 64, with only a few exceptions, you can go after any star that you wanted to. So it felt very freeing, you know? I, a great example is the fact that in Bob-omb Battlefield, uh, one of the first courses in the game, one of my still favorites, is there's a you know there's an actual path in the game you can follow it will lead you right up to the first objective, which is great, but then you'll see things along the way that kind of like catch your attention and, like, pull you off the path, pull you off the beaten path and you know encourage you to explore like on your way to king babam you'll pass a chain shop and he's guarding a star And it's like oh don't want to mess with that guy yet or do you want to hold off you know <laughs> and you can you can totally you know try and get that star right then if you want and and completely you know go against the um you know the presumed order of the game and i love that and that also applies on a per world basis too with the the hub and the castle and how you can explore different rooms and check out what levels are available to you. You can ignore entire levels if you want. You only need a certain amount of stars to complete the game. So if there's a level you don't like, you can ignore it, which you couldn't do for the most part in most of the 2D games. Um, and then even uh, getting back to the sandbox element, the game even throws you like in a completely safe place outside the castle and just lets you explore. There's no time limit. There's no enemies. There's almost no way to hurt yourself. You know, and compare that to like the first level Mario One, where like a Goomba's right there, ready to take you out if you're not paying attention. <laughs> it's such a different way of uh, handling Mario, and that's something that's kind of interesting too. I think is uh, as we kind of, as we kind of touched on earlier. Like this is they could handle Mario in 3D very differently than they did, and they chose to go this route. And it may not be like the best representation of of what was Mario up to that point in 2D. Uh, you know, in 2D, it, it may not be the best. Uh, the most accurate portrayal i should say but it's one that absolutely worked for the 3d realm and i loved it and i'm glad that it kind of like decided to you know change mario's direction a little bit because you, I, I i was just thinking earlier today in preparation of this discussion it would be interesting to compare like how much you jump in the 2d games versus how much you jump in the 3d ones but i'm sure it's substantially less than the 3d ones there's a lot more running exploring using different maneuvers than just jumping so
1: yeah i you know i never thought about that um you, d- you probably do jump a lot less because you have the option of saying, all right, I can attack this monster or right. I can go around him. And that's and something you can punch that-
0: goombas in the face this time. <laughs> right,
1: right. You have so many more options. And so jumping becomes kind of, uh, kind of take a takes a back seat to it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that do, can, is it even possible to talk about mario 64 without talking about the n64 controller
0: it isn't i mean it, it isn't it isn't um actually no it isn't it really isn't because yeah this game basically pioneered uh the analog control stick i mean nintendo we've seen this many times and actually probably most starting with mario 64 where nintendo designed a controller around one basic idea in mind in the case in, in the case of, nintendo 64 that was obviously mario 64 where the controller and the game do go hand in hand as largely uh because of the control stick which gave you full analog control and they really use that uh they really kind of use that to its maximum potential i feel like in mario 64 like there's no better showcase of analog te- technology in that game um where you can just tilt it a little bit to walk push it a lot to run there's no run button a mario game without a run button like <laughs> how wild is that uh especially at that time and again, it's something that Nintendo's gone back on, oddly enough, with like the three, some of the 3D games, like 3D Line and 3D World, where they reintroduced a run button, I think, redundantly so. We don't need it. Um, I never thought of that. Say. That kind of <laughs> yeah. blows
1: my mind. I never thought about the fact that Mario 64 didn't need a run button because you had the analog controls, but then the later games have run buttons for some reason, and there's no right. need for them. That's weird. It's very weird.
0: Like I'm just always holding run anyway. It's Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, but Mario's people even played with that element too. Like where they, you don't want to run constantly. Perhaps for the first time in the Mario game, there's like thin ledges you need to carefully navigate across. Or in the second level of the game, Thwomp's Fortress. I say second level, but you can explore, you know, in most right. any order. As I said, um, you come across these sleeping prion plants. Where if you run, if you run right by them, that's going to wake them up, and they're going to probably bite you. Uh, so you're encouraged to kind of sneak by them slowly by tilting the analog stick just a little bit. And to go along with it, too, you have this like this peaceful nighttime music. It's just a perfect setting. It's just a great way of teaching you on um, the elements of the game. Like, yeah, if you you know if you don't want to wake these guys, walk slowly. And shortly after the first problem plan you encounter, or even the second, that's when you really start encountering some of the thinner ledges in the game, which again encourage those more um, the slower moments. So it, it kind of gets back to the first Goomba in Mario in Super Mario Brothers, where that that Goomba that Goombas there to teach you to jump. Like if you don't jump, you're not getting by that Goomba. Mm-hmm. And same thing with, with these prom plants. If you're not learning how to use that control stick, you're not going to get past them. So it's a really cool way of teaching you, like you know, how to use mechanics through gameplay.
1: I always think Nintendo is the is the company to teach you mechanics through gameplay. Yeah, uh, they've always done that really really well. Um, and I think that the two best examples are the examples that you just gave that first Goomba and then the the piranha plants where you have to sneak. I think that that's those were amazing. Now, you, you talk about running in Mario games. Are you somebody who always holds down B when you play like, let's say, a 2D Mario game?
0: Well, uh, I'm the one who always tries to hold Y because uh, I'm always, you know what I'm I mean. so used yeah. <laughs> to I'm, I'm so used to Mario 60 or sorry Super Mario World yeah. and it annoyed me so for the longest time up until just the recent 10.0 update that you couldn't use Y in the NES games <laughs> on the Switch when playing on the Switch. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get used to B and A. Um, but yeah, I'm always holding Run no matter what. I, I don't think I'm ever letting go uh, in the 2D games. Um, and it always it always uh like it's so hard to watch someone who's not played Mario before and doesn't just hold Run constantly like for me it's hard to watch It's like oh no you gotta be you're not you don't have the right momentum like uh especially uh in this day and age with mario maker where um you know i i am a huge creator in that game or rather i was big on the creation aspect of the game i should say to clarify i'm not a huge mm-hmm. creator i didn't play as much of mario maker 2 as in mario maker 1 uh but i design my levels entirely around um not intentionally but entirely around like holding run that's just how i play so if you're not holding run you're probably not gonna be able to get through my stages especially my meat boy inspired stages so <laughs> um but yeah but in mario 64's case i'm not one who's always tilting the control stick full blast for the reasons we just you know um laid out so
1: Right, you're kind of forced to slow down, and that's that was a, a first in a Mario game because in the previous Mario games, I, I find it funny that you're a, a you're a Y person and I'm a B person, and that's probably because I'm older than you. Uh, so I, <laughs> hey, I, you know, I I had an NES. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, so when you started, like when when you picked up uh, Mario sixty four, you're ten years old, you didn't really have. I mean, maybe maybe i'm wrong but you didn't have a lot of experience with the 2d games right so like the transition like because you were so young do you think that it was less of an impact on you and so, than it would be to somebody like me who had been playing 2d games for decades
0: Uh um that's a that's a great question so i mean i guess i so i guess i I'd be curious uh, to know like what your impression of Mario 64 was at the time.
1: Um, but Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to answer the question for me. Yeah, for it, it was, yeah. it, it blew me away. I couldn't like, okay. I didn't think it was possible for them to take a 2d style game and bring it to life in a 3d environment. The way that they did, my mind could not comprehend <laughs> how they had managed to do It, it, didn't feel like a Mario game. But at the same time, it was the most Mario game that it could ever be. It was such a weird juxtaposition of feelings that I had about the game. I struggled to explain that. And I assume to somebody who had kind of started younger, that it wasn't that much of a shock to the system. But maybe I'm wrong yeah no i i would
0: say i think you are wrong and actually i'm okay. glad to hear that from you um that you had the same experience because i i have wondered like like did it just blow my mind because i was younger and you know more impressionable back then and uh, less jaded as i am these days <laughs> um but no that's awesome to hear because no it definitely blew my mind yeah i mean what you know, looking back it's like a uh, 10 years doesn't sound like a lot of time to be playing games but i did start playing you know at whatever age i was able to hold the controllers when i started playing so mm-hmm. i had an atari 2600 as my first console at some oh, wow point. really um so, yeah so i forget i mean i don't know how old i was i could i probably should ask my parents um they probably remember but I, I would guess by three or four i was probably playing games and as a kid you know, that time you know let's say even four four to ten that that's that six years that sounds like nothing as an adult as a kid that's an eternity that's most of my life yeah um it's certainly most of my conscious life so no mario like mario 64 felt like a profound experience for me. Like it was mind blowing for me too. Um absolutely. So I I actually thought it might be a lesson for those who who were older, you know, maybe more experienced with the games. But no, I grew up with the Mario's. Um I was a huge Mario fan. I played all the Mario's um obviously. Or, you know, I was I, I like every single one of them, anyone I could get my hands on. Like even uh, even Donkey Kong on the Atari twenty six hundred, uh, <laughs> which wasn't a great port of that game, but I played it endlessly. So no, this game blew my mind. Um I just remember like it it, it basically shook me to my core. Like, I'm like, this, is, this game is amazing to the point when, like, I would play it as nonstop as I could uh, or as much as my parents would love me, of course. And I remember, I still remember I beat Bowser, the final Bowser battle, and I grabbed the giant star and I started flying, you know, like Mario enters and wing cap animations starts flying around. I turned it off. I'm like, I cannot have this experience be over yet. I, so I didn't want it to end. So I turned it off and I decided to revisit Bowser later on. But I didn't want it to be over. Like the game was so so important to me that I just couldn't imagine, you know, not um not having something to look forward to, which I know I could keep playing afterward, but it just felt wrong to have beaten it at that point. Uh-huh. So um yeah, no, i it, it definitely blew my mind. And the 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 uh something else too is um my dad who wasn't a gamer then, he actually is kind of now, which is funny. Uh that's a different conversation uh he even he was like blown away by mario 64 like i remember him like seeing it at an in-store kiosk at target before it officially released and he's like this game looks amazing and he was describing it to me and uh it sounded incredible what you know his his uh his um impression of the game and also i still remember too there was a newscast at the time where the local weatherman uh, steve Poole, was actually a pretty big seattle uh, celebrity uh, he went. He got played a game in a, like early preview event, and he's like, "I remember him saying, like you have not seen a game like this before.'" Uh, and so the fact that like just you know the local weatherman, the local weatherman, that his what his mind is also being blown, um, I think suggested to me even as a kid that this is a major. This is going to be a major event. And since then, I don't think I have played a game that's compared. <laughs> I think Mario 64 was like a one, a one, like a once in a lifetime event for me.
1: So you got all the way. Did did you realize that you were going up against the final boss when when you ended up beating it, or did you, like did you go there by accident and then you were like, oh, oh no, no, I don't want to beat it yet. I need to go back and do the rest I, of the stars first.
0: I don't remember for sure. I'm pretty confident I knew that was the final boss. Like I think by you know based on the lead up, um, this was at the top of the what was the endless staircase. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure I understood the context. I think I just realized that. You know, I think it hit me when I beat it. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is kind of the end, even if there were some more stars I could get, of course. Um, I think that's just when I realized what I had done and I wanted it to stop or I didn't want it to stop.
1: Right. Uh, So you said you mentioned uh, the fact that we didn't need every single star in order to finish the game. Uh, Were there levels that you decided I'm going to like it? I'm sure that you've played this game more than once, right?
0: I played it countless
1: times right so are there levels that you say "Ah, i'm gonna skip those levels uh because i don't need those stars in order to finish it or do you go for every level every time
0: so it has been a little while since i played all the way through um so i i'm as a kid i was all over it i definitely got 120 star file if not multiple times at least the one time um, I, I, I'm i sure I did it multiple times though. Since then, I'm sure like these days, there probably are levels I I might play less of. Uh, TikTok Clock comes to mind. <laughs> um, maybe a little Big Island too. It was never a huge fan of that one, but I think on my first playthrough, I think I loved every moment of that game. I don't think there was a single a single level that I didn't enjoy because Mar- the, the 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 very core of that game, the very core mechanics were just so fun to use it didn't even matter what you were doing (laughs) um it literally didn't matter what star you're going after it was just so fun just to control mario in the 3d space with his wide array of moves um and part of it part of what made that so fun too was that there were really no limits like that game was uh for lack of a better word is so breakable i suppose like there were no (laughs) like there were almost no like invisible walls beyond the you know, very exterior of the level. But if you could figure out a way to get around, you could do it, you know? You could try to wall jump your way up a mountain instead of working your way around. Um, there were there were all kinds of intentional secrets too, like hidden warp points um, or entrance ways. It was just it was such a fun game to explore. So yeah, I don't think there was a single moment of that game I didn't enjoy my first time through.
1: So you said that your, your dad saw it in the, in the, in the store kiosk. Um, right. did you have older siblings? I mean, you said he wasn't a gamer. How did this system, how did these video game systems end up in your house? Did you have older siblings that were asking for them? Like, cause you said three years old, you were playing an Atari 2600. <laughs> I don't think a three-year-old's asking for that for Christmas or anything. I, so how'd they end yeah. up in your house?
0: That's a great question. Um, so no, I didn't have any. I, I do have an older, an older uh, half sister, but I didn't grow up with her. So, um, and she's ten years older than me as well. So no, I was pretty much the I was the oldest kid in the house. Uh, I have a younger sibling. So it w- if anyone was asking for it, it would have been would have been me. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm guessing I didn't ask for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. So I'm assuming I think my my mom bought that from a coworker at work and brought it home one day. And that I'm guessing that's where my love for video games started. Because I think I just had a blast playing that thing and then that maybe from that point is when i started asking for things like an nes mm-hmm. and mario 3 super nintendo and mario world um for the 64 specifically um my dad was running an insurance agency at the time and one of his clients actually worked at nintendo and somehow it came up that I was a big nintendo fan and i was actually able uh, to to get an nintendo, nintendo 64 with mario 64 about a week to two weeks before it came out uh, because he was able to buy from the internal store for me and and gave it and gave it to me so i still remember going to nintendo to pick up the nintendo 64 and and i remember just how excited i was to get home and play it i remember the drive home seeming excruciating uh <laughs> and and <laughs> having to wait for my dad to take the time to set it up because i didn't know what i was doing mm-hmm. um even though it was pretty simple but yeah i had to wait for my dad to set it up and check it out and of course i remember him you know, watching me play at least the first initial minutes, uh, you know, with me just playing around outside the castle, and just like what a transformative moment that was for me. It's like it's like I think that's it's at that time when I when I recognized games would never be the same, and they weren't like that. What that did transform games, which to be fair would have happened with or without Mario sixty four, obviously. But I think Mario sixty four definitely um, demonstrated you know how best to use it or how you can use a three D space, and definitely helped influence a lot of developers. And it would be interesting to see just how different games might have been in the subsequent years had Mario 64 never released. I don't know if that's a future I'd, or a a timeline I'd want to live in, uh, but it would be one that would be interesting to see what might have happened.
1: You mentioned the excruciating wait for uh, playing Mario 64. It reminds me yep. of my experience with it as well. Uh, I was in the Army at the time, and I had done my pre-order at uh, Toys R Us. And I went to my staff sergeant and I said, can I skip PT, physical training? Can I skip PT today so I can go wait in line to get this thing uh, and I'll also be late to work? And they said, yeah, but, uh, you know, after you get it, you take it back to the barracks and then show up to work. And then after work, you and me are going to go and do some PT afterwards. So I had to go to the store buy it bring it back to my barracks drop it off head into work work my my, the rest of my shift and then after my shift go and do pt all while mario 64 is waiting for me to grab a hold of his nose and and shake it around in that (laughs) initial screen uh all like that is just waiting for me at home and i was just like that's all i could think about all day but my staff sergeant was really cool and and let me go and wait in line so that i didn't have to do it after work but uh man that (sighs) did did that initial part where you can grab his his face and stretch it out that that was a mind-blowing thing at the time
0: absolutely like this game it, it in a way it felt more personal than any mario game had before like mario had a has an actual personality to the point where you're saying he greets you on the tile screen. He's like, "Hello, it's me, Mario," and uh, seeing like his face in full 3D, fully interactive, was just crazy, you know. And it looked, it still looks good. It's obviously blocky, but that's a solid-looking model, you know. Definitely better looking than the in-game one, <laughs> right? Um, and being able to you know, play around with them, just you know, have fun on the tile screen, um, was just was just a complete joy. And yeah, it kind of like teased what 3D could do from the initial uh outset and um yeah i just remember like just being really thoroughly impressed by that and like what what a way to be like introduced to to 3d right just having mario's like giant noggin right there <laughs> and just letting you, you know play around with it um you know, squishing and squeezing it uh yeah just a very just a fun activity that i think it began as a tech demo as i recall and then they're like hey let's just make it the tile screen and it worked out perfectly
1: What did you think of the DS port when that came out? Because that didn't have the analog controls. You know, that kind of (laughs) changes the conversation where we said earlier, you can't have Mario 64 without the N64 controller. And then Nintendo did it. (laughs) They did it? Yeah.
0: What? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. These are so right. Like, you, you really can't talk about Mario 64 without the analog control. And then they released it without the analog control. There was a way to kind of replicate the functionality using the touch screen it had that weird thumb strap and if you (laughs) if you pressed it on the touch screen at whatever point you pressed it would become a virtual control stick and you can move it from that direction uh but the problem was like there was no resistance it wasn't ergonomic so it was hard to tell like you know how far you'd actually move the control stick and it just didn't feel good it felt very sloppy so i ended up playing with the d-pad and and the run button that they added in for that game and that wasn't great either. It was better than the touchscreen, but Mario 64 is not meant to be played this way. So yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the port because they they screwed it up on a fundamental level, which to be fair, they there weren't a whole lot of options given right. the hardware. Um, but yeah, I know some people grew up with the game. They love it. Uh, for me, it's like, yeah, they kind of did Mario 64 dirty. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and not just in that sense too. I wasn't a huge fan of the, some of the changes they made to the gameplay. Um, where they added, they added some characters and some stars but almost took away from the game Um, because Mario 64 was all about having all these options at any given time but now it's like hey if you want to do this one thing you have to be this character now and wasn't a huge fan kind of went, went against the game was for me so um, I'm holding out hope that they're that they're um that the rumors of this upcoming port or remake if you will are true and that it is a remake because I think it can be done far better than the DS port was.
1: So that's a, you know, I'm, I'm happy you bring that up. Um, here's my question to you. I, I actually asked my audience this to see what they thought. But would you want to have Mario 64 completely remade from the ground up, kind of like Final Fantasy seven, if you mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Or would you simply want it to be a texture bump? God,
0: that's that's that is so tough because on one hand, on the on on the one hand, I feel like Mario sixty four is kind of like a sacred cow. Like this game is so important, it's almost it would almost be sacrilege to change it too much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, because it is it is just this found foundational pillar of the gaming industry and you know for Mario, Nintendo, and gaming in general that I, I feel like it, it's almost disrespectful in a way to do anything but just offer it in its purest form, just you know upgraded to whatever extent on the other hand i also recognize the game is what 25 years old wow. i think around there um so it is it is obviously dated uh you know the graphics you know don't really hold up um at least in a technical sense i don't think it's a bad looking game necessarily but some of the models can be rough um the controls may feel a little a little odd compared to some more recent mario games So in that sense, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a remake, I suppose, but I would hope that if they're they're remaking it, I almost wonder if they should just go, like, go the distance with it. Like, just go nuts, you know, like, redo everything. Like, rethink everything if you want. Um, Don't feel, like, hindered by the past. You know, just, you know, go crazy with it. That way, Mars 64, the original, can stand on its own, and you have um, whatever crazy thing they end up making. Um, I don't think they'll go to that extent. Uh, but at the very least, it may update the graphics. So I don't know. Honestly, I'm not quite sure. I feel I'm of two minds on this, you know. I Either stick as close to the original as possible, just offering maybe updated textures and whatnot, but on the other hand, you know, maybe go nuts, you know, and see see mm-hmm. what a more modern Mario 64 might look like. Um, I'll be, I, I guess, you know, the way I look at it, as original Mario 64 will always be there. So maybe, you know, I would like to see what Nintendo would, would do um, to change it up, perhaps to reinvent it a little bit uh but yeah i'm really not quite sure i'll have to see it to see what i fully think of it honestly i can see it going both ways i could be really impressed by it or i could be you know just disappointed by it um but at the very least it could be a fun way of letting a new generation enjoy you know what was a classic and see if it does still hold up under perhaps more objective circumstances because i'm not objective with this game i love it (laughs) um And, uh, and yeah, so, and, and to be fair too, for me, it it even has been a few years since I've revisited myself. So it would be fun to go back and look at it with, um, fresher eyes now.
1: I think it's hard for anybody who played it back when it first came out to look at this game objectively, because there's so much nostalgia attached to that game because Mm -hmm. it was at its time, the pinnacle of video games. Like it was such an amazing thing. Let's say Nintendo shows up at your door, uh, kidnaps yeah. you, takes you to their uh, to their headquarters, and says, "All right, you get to decide what we're going to change about Mario sixty four in this remake." What is what would you change? Oh God!
0: <laughs> oh man, that yeah, that's tough, right? Um, let me think. So I guess in a, I guess it depends how broad you want to go. So I think one like if they were if they're going all out in the remake. I think what well, might be kind of cool. Is it? Is it? Is it? They made the boundaries of the world look a little bit more natural. I think Banjo Kazooie did a great job of this, um, on, even on the 64, where the worlds didn't have as clear cut boundaries as they do in Mario 64, and they felt more natural too, where they would kind of like just slowly fade off into the distance. Uh, Mario 64 is definitely harsher in this sense, where the levels kind of feel more artificial in a way, um, which isn't necessarily a negative, but they, de- they don't feel like as natural as it did in Banjo. So that could be a, a fun place to start, uh, make these feel like more of a. Uh, a natural place in the world where you can see like more stuff off in the distance that you can't get to, uh, but you can see more going on around you. Uh, you could, uh, you know, have more natural Hills acting as a barriers for the world. So that might be, you know, um, one, one thing they could do in a broader sense. Uh, I do believe there was a lot of cut content for this game. They definitely, I recall reading that they pared the game back a lot from the initial plans. I think they had at one time plan, maybe 40 levels for the game, which of course there's only, 15 charitably in the final game Mm -hmm. um so i would love they maybe revisited some of those earlier ideas and maybe gave us some of those as like post-game content that we still get the original core experience but then once you do that because it wasn't really a true post-game in the original once you got all all 120 stars that was it there wasn't much to do beyond that beyond seeing yoshi on the roof which to me at the time was pretty that was pretty cool that was enough Uh, but now it would be neat if if, uh, um if there was more to explore new levels maybe a new wing of the island uh, or sorry of the castle which by the way um one thing they have to do i think is get, they have to give they have to texture the back of the castle because when you, when you go <laughs> on top of the it, yoshi uh you, if you swing around to the back side the back's completely untextured you can just see into the castle or through the castle which is so weird and so that's one thing they could fix um and yeah i think I mean be needed there was just more levels you know more you know look back at those early templates there was one um One of the early penguin screenshots for the game are from a level that never ended up in the final version. So I would love they revisited those ideas and let's see like what they were maybe planning and refine them so they could have been final levels in the game.
1: That's awesome. Does it drive you crazy that Mario? uh, Unless I'm wrong, is Mario sixty four the only one that has the wing cap in it? Because it is. yeah. Yeah. Like, why did they just? Why do you think they just abandoned it? Because that was such a cool idea and you felt so powerful when you got it.
0: It was so amazing. Yeah, I think what I mean—the wing, wing cap was amazing. Um, for one, letting you explore the 3D space in you know with this whole new vertical element that you could do. To, you could do the you know you could explore to some degree before, but now uh, the wing cap really opened everything up. And what partially made it so fun too was that it was physics based. It was a little bit like the cape from Mario World, but mm-hmm. taken to a more realistic extreme, if you will. I think or Maybe realistic isn't the right word, but it felt realistic within this Mario world, where it did feel physics based. Like the more you would dive, the more you know, the, the more you could pull back up, and you had to like you had to maintain your momentum um, while in the air; otherwise, you would just come to a land. You, know, you would basically crash land. Um, and yeah, I think that's what made it so fun was you could like dive underneath bridges and pull back up and just swoop around the environment. And that's something no Mario game has accomplished since for me. There's been flying in Mario games since but none of them has been as fun as Mario 64 because they didn't really feel physics driven. Um, In Mario galaxy, you could just very casually fly around with that red star thing. Um, Mario sunshine, let you kind of hover in place, but that wasn't particularly fun. It was more of a, like a double jump type mechanic. And then um, I'm trying to remember what else were the other, I guess, did Mario Odyssey even have a flying thing beyond capturing some of the enemies? It had the glider guy i guess uh, yeah i
1: guess i think you're right that was just about you capture somebody and then you can fly for a little bit right. but but most of the time it was uh jumping around and throwing the cap yeah
0: so yeah for me i guess no game really uh, or at least no non-flight based game has made flying as fun as it was in mario 64 and i really hope that they return to something that's a little bit more physics slash skill based uh because that's where it's you get that's where you get the most reward for playing it because you it does take some skill to navigate and that makes it all the more fun, I think.
1: Awesome. Well, Andre, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was really uh, very fun talking to you about Mario sixty four. I think I can't believe that it took this long for this game to be mentioned on this show. Uh, yeah, I'm it's, offended. It's, me too. <laughs> I'm glad you had me. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody before Andre has seriously dropped the ball. I think uh anyway each episode i try and have my guest close out the show by saying the show's motto which is that resolution doesn't matter resolution does not matter The theme song for 143 Pixels is Through a Cardboard World by Tony Lays. You can find more of their music at TonyLays.Bandcamp.com. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can find it at Pixels143. And if you want to follow me, I'm at run jump stomp. This show is part of the Giant Size Team-Up Network. For more information, head on over to GSTU.net.